Amen. My goodness, what a privilege to be here, and uh, what a beautiful church you have. Really, Jesus is exalted here, and you can feel it. His presence is here. His anointing is here. It's just absolutely wonderful. And so thank you very much for the invitation. Um, So the question and the subject that Brent gave me is, how do we prepare our children for marriage? And I thought, whew, how do we do that? (laughs) Um, But honestly, I think there's a question behind that question. How do we prepare our children for life? with marriage being one of the greatest and most beautiful and life-changing experiences along the journey. And I, I firmly believe, I know some people may disagree with me, but I firmly believe that there's not just the one that we need to look for when we're preparing for marriage. You know, our girls were so into that, Lord, I've got to find the one, you know, that's going to make me complete. I believe our children are already complete in Jesus Christ before they find the one. And I believe that Jesus is the one that completes our kids. When they give their lives to him, he's the one that gets a hold of them and changes them from the inside out. And they get healed up. They get from the from brokenness that even in Christian, mar- Christian families, there still can be some hurt. Jesus comes and, and just heals all of that. And when your children are ready, he presents another complete human being who has Jesus living in him too, to be able to become a unit. So two complete beings coming to one. The Bible says they become one. And can you imagine the power that is at their disposal, knowing that they've come together, Jesus has healed them both, and they can reach out into the world and be an influence and uh, bring their children through for Christ. So one of the, the greatest I have two life verses that I live according to, and I, are they simple? They're not difficult? They're out of the living Bible. And the first one, and this is what I believe is what we need to do to bring our children through to Christ. It says in Proverbs 3 verse 6, it says, in everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you, and he will crown your efforts with success. And to me, that is the key. If you put Jesus first in your lives as husband and wife, in in your individual walk with God, you're going to find that he's the one that's going to direct your whole lives and direct your whole family's lives. And he's going to crown your efforts, the very little bits that we put into our children, the little humanness that we put into our children, God's going to crown it with success. And the second one I find in Proverbs chapter 37, 34, don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep traveling steadily along his pathway, and in due season, he will honor you with every blessing. And you know what I love about Jesus? There's always a blessing at the end. There's always something that he produces in our life, some fruit that he produces in our life. When we just follow line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, following after his pathways. And many times this Christian walk is plodding. It's not a hundred meter dash. It's plodding. It's faithfully just serving, faithfully loving Jesus on a day daily basis, faithfully spending time in the secret place with him and allowing him to put things into your lives. And so in light of these verses, I think as parents, the most important thing that we can do for our children is put God first in our own lives that he comes, number one, he comes before our children. We're living in a child-centered world right now where children come before everything else. And I think if we get the order right, you'll find that your children will come through beautifully. But where does it start? 
Honestly, without him, I don't think we have a clue how to parent. <laughs> Honestly, it's such a difficult and such a vast subject. But when we, when we allow him to be partner with, partnering with us, that's when we bring our children through to the future. And how do we do it? I believe we allow the Holy Spirit inside of us to just, he's a spirit of love, to just overflow to our kids. You know, that love that we have for them, and it's, it can be a lot of fun. You know, don't be so stiff and starchy that your children don't have fun in your home. Have a lot of fun with your kids. They grow up so quickly, and honestly, it's just beautiful. But it is a journey, and Habakkuk 2 says, Slowly, steadily, surely, the vision awaits an appointed time. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. And I can truly testify that we can see God in our kids. They've grown up, and they've just, just been incredible in just the way they're serving the Lord at this moment in time. So our walk with God is being watched by children every minute of every day. They'll see who you really are because uh, they live with you. And so they'll see you as one person sometimes and they'll see you as another person another time. But I pray that there's a consistency in what they see, that you're the same person at home that you are at church, that you don't become this happy, holy, and uh, perfect person at church and then somebody else completely different during the week. You've got to be consistent with your kids. Your walk with Jesus needs to go from Monday right through to Sunday. It cannot change when you're in front of people. It's got to be consistent because your children watch you all the time and you are their heroes. Really and truly, you are your children's heroes. And the father in the family, he has an awesome responsibility to govern his family well. And wives, we need to stand firmly by our husband's sides. And not always easy because to, to live with a visionary is not always easy because he's constantly bringing new things into the family and new things into life. And you're trying to hold on. Actually, it's like sometimes I'll never forget uh, Andy Clark said, her husband rides the stallion and she holds on to the tip of the tail. And... Uh, uh, that's sometimes how it feels for us wives because our husbands are visionaries, they are leaders, they are go-getters, they are what God has ordained to lead our families. And sometimes it's hard to keep up with them, but that's when you pray lots and you just hold on tight. But both of you, when you're operating the gifting that God has given you, that's what calls for success. Each one of us have been gifted with different things. We are completely different to our partner and that is what God has ordained right from the beginning because we both bring a flavor into the marriage. And I, the example that our children are going to want to emulate in their own lives is something that they see in our lives. And hopefully it is Jesus Christ and Jesus him alone. Um, there's a young guy, John Mark Homer, who's written an incredible book. And you, if your children are, are in the teens, late teens, I really recommend that you get this book. It's called Loveology. And it is, it is very relevant to the times that we are living in. It is written by a young guy who has a passion for this age group and this generation. And he, he is very straight. And the kids will be able to understand this book. And it answers a whole lot of questions at the back about where children are sex, with their sexuality in today's day and age, and I really recommend it. But he says, in Eden, the, temp the serpent tempted Eve, not Adam. In doing so, he was going around God's order, usurping God's authority. And instead of leading his wife, unfortunately, Adam followed his wife into sin. And it was the exact opposite of what was supposed to happen. And as a result of the, the first man 
not getting it quite right. That is why we have so many battles today. And in the beginning, men were meant to lead, but because of sin, that has been twisted and that has been bent. Sin always bends and twists things. It never comes out straight. And so what often happens is men have seen that leadership as being something where they are oppressive, where they are dictatorship, where they rule with a rod of iron. And that has not been helpful in marriages. And on the opposite side of the scale, sometimes men have abdicated their leadership in rebellion basically against God and are passive men, men that are unmotivated, men that are lazy, Men that allow their wives to rule the roost, allow their wives to take over all the responsibilities because they're not standing up to the position that God has called them to. And it's a beautiful freeing position when you get into that place where God wants you to be. And so in Ephesians 5.21, it's interesting how God says, submit yourselves one to another out of reverence of Christ. We often see that word submission as something that we apply to the wives, which is 100% correct. Scripture does say that. But it also said submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And that word submission is the Greek word hupataso, and it means to line up out of devotion. It can be translated respect, yield, and defer to. In other words, it's saying putting another's good ahead of your own. And I must be honest, I had a wonderful husband. I really, he was a big man, and he was a man. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. But he was gentle with me. He was the one that would yield sometimes when I had an idea. He'd say, yeah, Tony, that's actually a good idea. You know, he wouldn't like just override me and just say, oh, no, that's silly. He would really just work side by side with me. And it doesn't mean to do, to do what you're told. It means to give your feelings, your desires, and your trust over to each other. Your feelings, your desires, and your trust. And sometimes that's easy for ladies to do. We find it easy to just talk and just give our desires. Sometimes it's very difficult for men to do. But honestly, ladies, if you make your, your home a safe place, your man will open up to the very deep things that are inside his heart, and he'll be able to pour them out into your life, and you will be a blessing as a result. Both men and women are called to submit. Children are called to submit to their parents. Followers of Jesus are called to submit to the elders in the church. Not always easy. Citizens, no, no offense to you guys. I'm just thinking back home, it's not always easy. <laughs> Citizens submit to government. Angels submit to Almighty God. So submission is a part and a way of life. And the word of God has, it has to do with order, this word submission. The way that God sees crea sets creation to thrive. Right after Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives as you love your own body. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that a man is to enforce that. That's submission from his wife. Submission is a gift that a woman gives to her husband, not to all men. It is reserved for her husband. And when she submits to her husband, she comes alive because it's a freeing space. It's a space where you're allowed to be yourself. It's a space where you have been accepted and loved by your husband, and it is a delight. But then it goes on to say that marriage is a safe place for men and women to work together, to show the world and to show their children the image of God. And Jesus, believe it or not, is the example to both of us. 
He's example to the man and he's example to the women. For with the man, Jesus is the picture of self-sacrifice. He's the picture of giving his life away on the cross. He's the picture of all love. That is what he has, has given to men. But for women, he is the picture of joyful, eager, trusting submission to a heavenly father who never lets us down. And I know that our husbands are human and they do let us down. But as we just lift them up in prayer, as we just believe and stand alongside them, I just know that they will be able to do great and mighty things uh, for Almighty God. Um, so for both, uh, so men and women both get a chance to be like Jesus in their marriage. We actually, Manny and I, were not perfect parents. I don't think there is such a thing as perfect parents. But we have a perfect God living and moving and, and moving and being inside of us. And so we are challenged. And he convicts us when we are wrong. And when he convicts you, just listen to him because he's just wanting to do it for your own good. He forgives us when we repent, when we do things that we hurt each other. And every single one of us do. When we maybe say things to our children in anger that we shouldn't say. He's the one that comes and forgives us when we repent. He's the one that comes and heals the hurt and the damage that we have caused in, the, in our families sometimes and in the lives of others. He puts a deep desire to pray and for intimacy in both of our lives, husband and wife. He is a gracious, patient, loving father who is always there for us to run to when life becomes hard and when things just become too much and we, we don't understand his ways. God's ways are not our ways. They are way higher than us. And sometimes we will not understand them on earth. Sometimes he gives a glimpse of why he did things the way he did, but sometimes we just have to trust him and live in faith. And so I'd love to share just a few very practical things that we did with our children that really helped them to come through for God. And um, I think the success of, of bringing through our children is knowing the part that we play in the marriage. Uh, so not to, complete, not to just produce complete confusion in our children. If our children know that mom is mom and dad is dad, it gives them a stability and a security upon which to build their little lives. And it starts from when they are born. We bring our children up right from the first day that they are born when we dedicate them to Jesus Christ and we say, Lord, we give our children back to you because they are gifts from you. As we grow them up, there are different stages in, in bringing up children. They start very little, but as they grow to to teenage years, you eventually find that you hold the, it's like a vase, you hold the vase really tight when they're little because you give them lots of boundaries because they, aren't, they don't have a lot of knowledge when they're little. And so you give that vase a lot, of, a lot of tightness, tightness, tightness. But then what happens as they get older, as they start to become your friends, you open up and it becomes an open vase and it gets wider and wider at the top. And it's because the children become more and more free as they get older because we did the the basics correct. But so much time, parenting is done the opposite way now, where it's wide and broad in the beginning, where children are allowed to do anything they like, where there is no discipline, there's no structure in their lives, there's no, um, there's no just mom and dad being in control, and our children can be wild, and so we have the base really wide open. And then they hit 12 or 13, and we suddenly start choking that, that life, and we start making the vase very thin again, and that's when our children rebel against us. So I want to encourage you, hold the reins tight when they're little, and as they grow up, they become your friends. They become the most incredible, incredible friends, and they've got your back, boy. More than anything else, your children will have your back if you bring them up correctly. 
And so Paul says twice as much to husbands in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, 21 to 33. He gives three verses to the women, and he gives nine to you gentlemen. So ladies, we have to pray for them. I'm sorry, it's just the way he did it, <laughs> um, you know, and he's wonderful. But just giving you some thoughts, just quickly. <clears throat> on some things that we applied in our children's lives. I think the most important thing was that we were real. Our children saw us how we were. We didn't put on airs and graces at church. How we were at church, how we were in life is how we were at home. Um, they really saw the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, when we would have intense fellowship, they saw that, and then they would see us also have beautiful repentance when we would come together. So we were not afraid to show our children that if Manny and I had a really bad fight, which I mean, none of that happens to any of you, but um, when we did, we would make sure that our children saw us repenting, and we would make sure that the sun would not go down on our anger. So if we had a fight that day, we sorted it out that day. We didn't leave it for the rest of the end of the month, you know, when we maybe got paid and we were feeling a little better. We didn't do that. We dealt with it straight away. And so that's really, really important because none of us are perfect. And um, they knew us better than anybody else, our kids. And it's really, really good that you are the same at church as you are at home because otherwise they don't want anything to do with church because that's when my mom and dad start acting strange. You know, let them just be like they are at home. And the second thing is we did a lot together as a family. Manny was incredibly, uh, incredibly intense man, and he would literally work, he would work hard. And there were times when his kids didn't see him. There was a price that he paid for being a pastor of a church where you are looking after so many people, and they didn't see him as often. But he would make sure that he would have date nights with his girls, and he would take them individually on a date night just for him to build into them the father figure that he was representing. And we did a lot of things together. Even in hard times when we couldn't afford it, we'd find cheap stuff to do. And church was a non-negotiable. Our kids were part of us. They came to church. It was what we did. And as a result of that, all their little friends became friends and came to church. And we found that uh, when they got into high school, grade eight is the hardest year I found with our children. It's a transition from primary school to high school. And that's when they're trying to find their feet as a little adult as well as a little person growing up. And grade eight is where you need to really just love on your kids extra more. And they just made friends. We prayed for friends in the school that they went to. We did not put them in a Christian school because they had church all their lives. And so we put them in a, in a, a normal uh, school and they led their friends to Jesus. And so it was not uncommon for us to have a whole household of girls over the weekend. Our guest room, the one young lass, she just moved in. She had her, her weekend clothes and she had her home clothes because she came from brokenness. And our home was a place of security and love. And we loved all those kids that would come. And they would have such fun. Vinoli, I remember her. Jackie, I remember her. These kids got saved and they became best friends to our daughters. And um, it was such a privilege. And so open Open your home to the children that are your children's friends. Let them become like yours. Just shine on them because we are, they, they come from such brokenness, a lot of these children. And then we also exposed our children to absolutely everything Christian that was going with youth. If there were meetings at Cornerstone, we'd take our kids along to Cornerstone. We would take them to the Bloom conferences. And in fact, our children didn't get saved early. 
Janie only really came to know Jesus at 13, and Bonnie took a little longer. Um, she was about 15 years old, and it happened at Bloom. When we exposed our children to all the other people in, in, in the property, we used to have lots of beautiful times at Bloom um, when we had, um, what were they called? Yeah, LTTs at Bloom. It was just wonderful. But Honestly, if they wanted to go camping, if they wanted to do something, we'd help organize it with them. Anything that would lead them to Christ. And the biggest thing that we did was we watched and we prayed for God to move in their lives without any pressure from us to be born again. We just said to them, we just loved them and prayed, prayed over them. And we took them, started taking them to trips to the nations. Once they were a little older, they came with us to Brazil. They came with us to different nations of the world. It was just such a privilege. Both of them expressed a desire to be able to play a musical instrument. So we got them a guitar. You buy them what they need. And sometimes the guitar would sit there and not be picked up by the oldest one or the youngest one. One, and then suddenly it would become something in their lives and they would, they would play. And no, another thing that we did, we took our kids on holiday. And you might think, wow, holidays are an expensive thing. And they are, but they are well worth it because it was the one time that Manny would rest. And it was the one time where we would just have such incredible fun with our kids. And we would get, he would relax and we would have ice creams and we would have fun times together. If you talk to both our girls, the two oldest ones, that's what they remember. They remember the holidays that we went through and it was just wonderful. And so it becomes the most incredible story when you see God become number one in your children's lives. There's nothing that will satisfy you more than seeing him become Lord of their lives. Preparing them for life and for marriage does not take a day. It, it takes a lifetime, actually. And we cannot force them to have a relationship with Jesus. We can ask him to use us in such a way that he is lifted up and he draws him to himself. But it is prayer, it is love, it is trust, it is sometimes standing quietly in the shadows, watching over them and letting them make their own decisions, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and let them make their own mistakes that they, they find their own way. And it's never easy being a parent when you're seeing your children in the tussle of life where the world is calling them so loudly and where they have to make a decision to stand for Christ and to stand for the righteousness that he expects in our lives. And there is no size that fits all. God gives, our children, gives us our children and every single one of them are different. They are wired completely differently and we just need to understand that they're not gonna be the same. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for our kids and I believe as we stand in his presence, we need to ask big asks for our kids. Jesus loves them more than you love them. And so ask big, Lord, have a, Lord, move in my kid's life, touch them. I remember at the age of 13, Jane came with on a ladies' camp with me. She was 13 years old, and you think, wow, a 13-year-old at a ladies' camp. We had Anthony Kirk come and preach, a prophetic lady. Janie was so touched, her and her friend, were so touched by the Holy Spirit. These girls were so drunk, they couldn't even get to the cabin. It was giggle and laugh and giggle and laugh and fall on the floor because the presence of God was all over them. And when I look at where God has taken our children, Jane and Jeff and her husband have planted a church into Portugal where they are, are leading a church of over 100 folk in Portugal and where they're having people come in, the, the, the worst of the worst, and they are being able to love those people. And you see, that started at the age of 13 with Janie, a love and a compassion for, for um, people. And 
So we have the faith and we trust him to do it, what we are not able to do for his glory and honor. We can do as much as we can do to bring our kids through, but at the end, it is honestly God that does the work inside of them, and it is wonderful to see. And I think the key is exactly what I said in the beginning, to put God first in your life. That's where it starts, and to walk a path in honesty and integrity with our children. Our children will have their own faith challenges in raising their own children, and I know that they will hold on to him, and everything is going to be okay. And so I just pray that God will give you the wisdom. He will give you the insight how to prepare your children for marriage. Be such an example, and you know what? It's so wonderful to see in this church so many men because that's really what our, our, our whole nation is built on, is strong men, strong men who love Jesus. Not just strong men, strong men who love Jesus and who put him first. So I want to commend you, gentlemen, for putting Jesus first in your life, for looking after and honoring your wives, for standing alongside them. And I want to commend you, ladies, for submitting to your husbands, for being an example for your kids, that they're going to come through and bring much glory to Jesus Christ. May bless you. Amen. Wasn't that outstanding? Sure. So now, if you're a parent or grandparent, because I think it's a huge role, if you're a parent or grandparent, won't you stand, please? I want to, I'm going to ask Dawn to pray a fresh commissioning prayer over us as parents and grandparents. And uh, I know that uh, some of you sitting, don't get passive. You might be sitting next to your parents, grandparents. Stretch out your hand and pray for them as well. Won't you pray for us, Dawn? What a privilege. Father, sure, you see this, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you are the best, best parent in the entire world. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us this privilege, this incredible privilege to be able to reproduce of ourselves. And Lord, it is an absolute privilege to have children. And Lord, to be called children of God as well. And so, Father, I thank you for these couples, Lord, these parents and grandparents, that God, your grace, your mercy, your empowering ability will come upon them, that your anointing would come upon them, Holy Spirit, to be able to do all that they are called to do in this world. Lord, I thank you that it is not by might, it is not by power, it is by your spirit inside of us that we are able to accomplish anything in this world for you. And I thank you, Lord, that your spirit inside each one of these men and women standing here before you today would just quicken your thoughts and your words and your feelings to them, Lord, that we would be able to make a huge difference in this community, in this church, and in the lives of our children. And we just thank you for marriages that will go on from generation to generation to generation that are going to produce godly offspring every step of the way. Lord God, we know that we can trust you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's give Dawn a round of applause. Thank you so much, Dawn. That was outstanding. And... uh, I'm going to ask uh, the rest of you to stand as well. Won't you, you join us, uh, all of us, as we stand? And you know, the Bible says an amazing thing. Jesus said this. He says, you fathers or parents, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father knows how to good, give good gifts to those who ask him. And I want to remind you, if you're here today, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ paid a price on the cross to connect you to his heavenly father. 
And it's, it's when we live lives, faith in Jesus connects us to the Father. It's his parenting in our lives that doesn't just forgive us of our sin, but leads us out of our junk, our brokenness, our addictions, our past, and into a glorious future. Why don't you close your eyes with me just for a moment. If you're here this morning, friends, and you're not in a relationship with your heavenly Father through faith in Jesus Christ, then the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And we would love to pray for you. All of us have been there. We've been there having someone pray for us as we dedicate our hearts to become followers of Jesus. And so if you are here today and and you're willing and ready to repent and commit your life to Christ, we would so love to pray for you. And I'm not going to call you to the front now, but we are going to be here in the front straight afterwards. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you, counsel you. If you need prayer in any way, please come and join us. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for your incredible, loving, fathering, parenting in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would be a church, a body who's known for great parenting. That that anointing to parent well, to raise up our sons and daughters, to see it as a mission, uh, a mission to see it as a ministry, to see it as a calling from the Lord. Lord, we don't want to drop the ball on this. We don't want to give our lives to, uh, uh, to building big companies or being successful at work and failing with our families. And so, Father, would you remind us, restore us, and refresh us in Jesus' name.